Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hey everyone, my name is Mike Vaughn and welcome to a new episode of Rotten Cinema, where myself and a very special guest talk about some really fun, uh, good, bad movies. Uh, so uh, again, I'm not alone. I have the very talented Stephen C. Miller, director of Margot, which is currently on Paramount Plus, and that movie uh, fucking rolls. Uh, so <laughs> awesome. Everybody check it out. Awesome. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. This is cool. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, we're, of course, talking about, um, as you can see, I'm kind of in the festive mood. So we're going to talk some, like, uh, holiday horror. And uh, I think one of my favorite, um, maybe favorite franchises, um, or uh, certainly the weirdest franchise, horror franchises, like the Silent Night, Deadly Night series. Um so obviously, you know, you have a, a big connection with that and we'll we'll get into that um definitely a little bit more later, but uh what do you think of this series like as a whole? Yeah, I mean, Silent Night Deadly Night was def was my first introduction to Christmas horror. Um I didn't I didn't I had watched that before I saw Black Christmas. Um and so I, I think the reason was because I, I was probably like 8 at the time, you know, or 9. And uh, we were walking through the video store and that Silent Night, Deadly Night box cover grabbed my attention so heavily that I was like, wait a minute, there's like Santa's arm hanging out of the chimney with an axe. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things that I, I was just drawn to. So I was with my one of my older cousins at the time and he was like, you haven't seen this movie? And I was like, I don't even know what this is. So, you know, it was my first introduction to a rated R uh christmas horror movie with silent night deadly night and i'm you know sort of like floored by it um so after that it was sort of like you know every time there was another one i had to check them out but yeah they, they're definitely it's definitely a franchise that stood out to me as one of my first you know intros into the into the genre for christmas horror nice um yeah i i would say probably same here um like i was trying to think um it was either that or black christmas but it's certainly the one that's uh, it's certainly like my go-to like every year and um i kind of came late to the sequels like i had seen the the um part two which is basically right. like most of one and a <laughs> it's just like one. a montage of the first movie <laughs> <laughs> um but uh last year i did a deep dive of like um i guess um well, I guess I I did all the sequels. I did uh, two through five. Um, and man, those are some bonkers movies. Um, the crazy thing is they continue. They get more bonkers as you go, uh, which is you know surprising considering a lot of sequels seem to sort of fizzle out. And I felt like the Silent Night Deadly Night franchise they keep getting more ridiculous. Um, the third one was probably one of my more uh, favor of the ridiculous sequels um yeah the second one was one of the ones that i 
you know, really just took away garbage day from because it was so crazy. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's funny. I like, so I think my favorite sequel, like, and there's at, really, there's not one that I super actively dislike. I mean, even part two, you know, it is at least kind of redeemable because it's just so um, unhinged, but part five yeah i mean it, it's so wacky no doubt yeah. um but like part five for me is like yeah <laughs> <laughs> part five goes completely off the rails too it's just like ridiculous i think i think that and that's what the silent idea night franchise to me is different than like say black christmas or anything like that at least the sequels the sequels aren't like black christmas for me i remember watching that being like this movie i felt dirty after watching that movie like i was like this movie is quite crucial, right? Like, and I think the first Silent Night, Deadly Night tries to be in that vein where it, it tries very hard to be a shock value. But the sequels tend to be, in my mind, are just more fun um, than trying to be as hard hitting as something like Black Christmas. Uh, yeah, exactly. I, I think um, what's really interesting is like when... Um... Oh, Brian Usna started um, working on the series. Um, pulling up my notes here. I know he did part... Um, he directed part four and maybe wrote part five. Yeah, I know he directed four. I didn't know he did five. Well, I think... Uh, let me just double check. But um, I know that he did, like... He wrote one of them, Um he didn't direct it, but he like wrote it. I think, yeah, like maybe, uh, let me see. Um, I just want to like double check. Uh, yeah. So, um, it was co-written by Brian Usna and it also, it has effects by screaming mad George. So it very much has that, um, early kind of empire feel. Um, right. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, and, Gosh, uh, like I said, five is my favorite because, and, and it's it's kind of weird because this is like weirdly a year for like Pinocchio movies, um, right? Yeah, and two of them. Yeah, and uh, what's kind of kind of wild is like um, part five is kind of like a sort of Pinocchio slash maybe a little bit of like Shelley's Frankenstein sort right. of part in there, um, and. I, I really like how um, this was fun rewatching this because I got uh, the Vestron uh, Blu-ray, uh, which is really awesome. And uh, Yasha picked that up. But um, is that the three pack? Is that is that the one that came with three, four and five? Yeah. Um, yeah. And now I feel like I'm on the video attic, but uh, it, it's awesome. <laughs> it's it's loaded with extras. Um it's like hella cheap right now. Um, cheap and easy. That's me. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, it really feels like you're kind of watching a nightmare. Like, and I know that's kind of maybe a little cliche to say, but um, I'm sure you can probably speak to this as a, as a film uh, maker yourself. But like, it's very hard to like tap into that like it feels just like you're watching someone's dream. Like it's so surreal at times where it's like, 
it's just like a stream of consciousness. It's not really. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, it, it really is hard to tap into that, even as a filmmaker, um, because that stream of consciousness, it, you're never really quite sure if that's coming across on screen uh, because you've watched it so many times. And I know that from just experience on some of my films that I've had even flashbacks in general that are trying to give that sort of feel. Um, and it's, it's a difficult process to get right. And I think for me, part five almost feels like the whole movie feels like that. Um, it feels like it's just, you know, the, a conscious dream. Uh, and I think what they do with that to me is some, some pretty wild filmmaking is a really kind of a throwback um, to some of the nineties filmmaking. I mean, I think, you know, for me, it's like people say eighties all the time, but that one felt like a nineties film to me, you know, it felt like it felt very nineties. Yeah. And while we're on that subject, I, listen, don't get me wrong. I love 80s horror movies, but I feel like the 90s was a pretty rad time for horror movies. I feel like we 90s was awesome. 90s was so sick. I mean, you got you got a ton of I mean, a ton of puppet master movies came in in the 90s. And then obviously the big dogs like Scream. And I know what you did last summer. But I mean, the one that I think people look over a lot is Wes Craven's New Nightmare. And like Wes Craven's New Nightmare to me was quintessential my like high school movie. Like I, I was in ninth grade, that movie hit me. And I was like, this is better than any nightmare film I've ever seen. You know what I mean? Like I was into that movie, like, and, and it's pre-Scream, right? It was doing like, you know, almost that sort of vibe before Scream, before he did it. And so, um, yeah, that movie to me gets very looked over um, as one of the ones that I think is crucial for the nineties. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like, I, yeah, I definitely feel like New Nightmare uh, definitely doesn't get the props that it does. I mean, it's it's not perfect, but it, it's such an interesting way to kind of deconstruct it. Like, uh, again, it would make a very good companion piece with Scream because it's sort of deconstructing it in a different way, but you can kind of see where he's playing with that idea. And then it's a little bit more refined when he teams up with Kevin Williamson. Um <laughs> Yeah, he actually, I, I had a chance to sit with Wes and when they, I was up for Last House on the Left at one point. And so when I went in to pitch my take on Last House on the Left and I had to sit with Wes, I think we started talking more about like Nightmare on Elm Street films than, than I probably should have. I should have been pitching in the movie, but like we were just like talking and just kept going. And then he, he made that comment. I mean, he said Nightmare was sort of, New Nightmare was sort of a, a awakening moment for him for Scream where he sort of saw Scream while making that movie. Uh, and felt like he knew where he wanted to go after that. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, but you could, yeah, you could sort of see uh, that vibe there. Um, but yeah, he, he was one of those, one of those directors that just really understood the genre, understood the audience and understood how the audience would react to the genre. So, you know, that, that's rare. Yeah, that's awesome. No, that's uh, very cool. That you got to meet Wes Craven. He's, he's one of those filmmakers that, Gosh, I wish I would have got to uh, talk to uh, not even even just an interview, just like uh, hang out with him for a little bit. Um, yeah, super smart guy. Oh, yeah. Like uh, he was like a professor uh, before he was a filmmaker. Yeah, was... yeah, he was. I mean, he, and you can feel that when you're talking to him. He's just he's a very intellectual, the way he speaks, the way he carries himself. I mean, the way he talks about movies, um, you know, you can tell that he he deep dives and he understood how to make those movies and to their core and what that does to an audience, even down to specific shot or lens choices. Like, you know, he, he gets that. So um, I like, I really dig that kind of filmmaking. 
Yeah. Um, there's, yeah, gosh, I, it was interesting because I was talking about Scream with um, a friend of mine and I was like, I like, he was one of the first, if not only kind of film, like horror filmmakers that kind of tapped into this really weird, uncomfortable sort of family dynamic. Like he kind of tapped into that in, in such a powerful and interesting way. Like, like you think about 99% of his movies are about sort of the decay and, and dysfunctional family in some, in yeah. some respect. Um, but uh, yeah, no, that's interesting. Like uh, that's kind of a shame that you didn't get to do uh, last house. Uh, what, what Dude, they did that movie so good. They, that movie, they did that movie so well. I thought it's one of my favorite remakes. Um, you know, I thought they did such a great job with it. I mean, it was right on the heels of the Texas chainsaw, like remake, like right after that one came out and then Hills have eyes. So there was a couple really great ones. And I thought that one matched well with those late, you know, 2000, early 2000 remakes. I thought they did a really good job. Yeah, um, definitely great. I actually uh, recall seeing that one in the theater and that was yeah. a damn good time with an audience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really was. I mean, the theater we saw, I saw it at the Man's Chinese in LA and uh, the th that theater was rocking. Like people were having so much fun in that movie. I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen movies like that, like where the the, the audience is going so ape shit. Uh, I mean, it's rare, but it happens. Now, have you ever been to a screening of, of one of your movies and it's been like a really great crowd? Yeah, the Silent Night, for for real, the Silent Night screening, we did we did two test screenings for the movie before it did uh, a limited theatrical. Uh, but the both test screenings that I got to sit in the very back and I wasn't supposed to be there, but I like, sat in the very back just to see, like people were having an absolute blast with the movie. Um and it did happen with Margot when we when we tested Margot and Margot, people were having a real blast. But Silent Night, for some reason, people were just, you know, hooting and hollering. And I was like, oh, OK, this is cool. Uh, people are enjoying and having a good time. And uh, so and then I got to sneak into a few screenings of it playing uh, around L.A. and then one in New York. And both times the, the audience was having a really good time. Uh, the only other time one of my movies I felt like that was a big one was when uh, I had a movie called The Aggression Scale that played at South by Southwest. And it was one of the midnight showings at South by Southwest. And that crowd was bananas. Um, they, they had such a blast with that movie. And so, yeah, it's really cool as a filmmaker to be able to sit with an audience like that. I mean, it, it really is one of the reasons why you make, in my opinion, why I make movies is I, I like the communal aspect of a, of a movie theater. And I like being in there with them when I'm showing it because I get the, reaction and i get in real time responses to what i think i did right or what i didn't make work at all so it's pretty cool yeah no that sounds awesome i mean i i i imagine that's such a exhilarating feeling actually watching what you made and like putting it out there um i know yeah and i've been really fortunate i've been really fortunate in these digital times that uh you know i've made 15 features and every single feature i've been able to see theatrically with an audience in some capacity um and so even margot like i said it did a few rounds of test screening so it played in some big theaters so it was before it went to paramount plus so uh it was like it was cool i've been very fortunate to be able to see those theatrically like that because i know it's different when you when you make uh when you're making movies for netflix and amazon and all that stuff they you don't always get that opportunity uh, yeah, and I could see like like Margot in particular being a lot of fun to watch with an audience because it is such a fun movie. 
Yeah. And and the and the test screenings we showed had zero VFX in it still. So it was like very raw uh screenings and people were just losing their minds on certain parts um and having a lot of fun with it even though it was just like blocks of you know very primitive <laughs> vfx work happening um but they you know people had a good time and it was really cool to see that i mean and to be honest it was very surprising that the movie didn't go theatrical because it was planned to go theatrical um almost the entire time until i it was like a month before they decided that it wasn't going to go and then i think they regretted it once barbarian came out and smile came out and these movies that are the same budget as margot were just getting blowing up and so um I, you know i know i got a phone call that was like we probably made a mistake <laughs> so <laughs> it's like oh, yeah, i get it but um yeah it was, it was fun to see with an audience nice now um is it too soon to maybe uh for fans that want to have it on home video is that anything that's so I was told that it's not getting a physical release, which is bonkers. It's the first movie I've ever done that doesn't, will not get a physical Blu-ray. And I guess that doesn't mean it won't happen in the future. But like, as far as I know, because I'm pretty heavy on physical media, uh, as I can see you are, uh, you know, I'm pretty heavy as well. I mean, we can like probably turn my screen around over here and it's all over there. Uh, but yeah, but I, I was bummed because it's, I'm, I like to collect them um and so when i found out it, they were saying they don't think it's gonna go blu-ray or dvd it's a bummer um but i always keep pushing it so you know in another six months i'll push paramount but like, come on let's get let's get something out for halloween or let's let's try to do this so i'll push for it as much as i can because i think i you know most people like to have that physical copy yeah i feel like we should start a petition like just <laughs> get a shitload of signatures then you can show them we want it yeah uh, <laughs> yeah i think that would be cool let's start it up uh hell yeah um i still uh think about um poor richard and his sloppy browns um. <laughs> richard's so great man like he's he's a character on the screen but he's also just a really big character a cool guy off the screen I and mean, we had some really great dinners we had some great times hanging out uh just as as friends and becoming friends um when you make a movie um, you know, not all the time do you get to become friends with the actors, but um, on Margot specifically, I made it a point to be very involved uh, with the cast um, and make sure they understood that I was, you know, willing to hang and willing to get down and dirty. If I was asking them to do something crazy, uh, I was willing to be in there with the camera myself uh, if I needed to be in the in the blood. And there's plenty of times where I was. So I think it was important for them to know that I was I was willing to get crazy with them. So, but yeah, Richard was a guy that. Um, I kind of look to on set often as sort of like a rock of like, hey, get the kids together, get them in order. You know what I mean? And and he was very good at sort of wrangling the group. And because uh, right. most of the movie, it's the group. Right. So it's it's they're not really split off that much. So um, a lot of the movie is them together. And that, that as a as an indie film, that's very difficult when you have six people in a room and you're trying to cover all six angles uh, in the time allotted. It's just it gets crazy. Yeah, I was going to say, it's really impressive how, you know, you have um, such a big cast, but you're able to just kind of seamlessly, you know, as you said, get them all together, get them on the same page, you know? Yeah, it's difficult. I think I think that kind of comes from, in general, like my movies that I make, it's, they're never given quite a lot of time. So I, but I think it comes to the point where I was an editor by background. I mean, I started out editing music videos and uh, even shooting them, but more editing and I was really into editing very early on. I thought that's really what I wanted to do. 
was be full-time editor. Uh, I just so happened that, you know, I, I got out to LA and realized being an editor was fine, but wasn't going to also like initially pay my bills. And it was like, but I, I want to make a movie, and it, you know, so I, I decided to make my own, but, um, and it fell into place like that. But originally starting out as an editor, I think that really helps as a director to understand maybe I don't need A, B, and C, and I only need this. And that'll get the whole scene and tell the story. And it allows, you know, me to sort of cut the movie in my head as I'm shooting. Yeah, that, no, that's really interesting. I mean, that's, uh, that's great because I'm sure that, as you were saying, it, it helps you, you know, not have a lot of like fat on the, on the, the bone there. You can just, you know, get what you need, get it, get any. Well, I, I also learned very early on with dealing with studios, studio level movies, as far as like a Lionsgate or like a Paramount is like the least amount of stuff I can get, give them to cut the better, <laughs> right? Like, like I, I try to shoot it to the point where if they lose something, it's a problem. Right. And so, cause I've been in, you know, my, one of my first or second films and sitting with Lionsgate and them watching it. And it was a very heavy fat director's cut. And then they just had notes galore. It was like, Oh my God, like how, you know, they're going <laughs> to cut the whole movie out. Yeah. So I really started to learn that like, okay, if I shoot really more precise and more uh, exact that uh, I'm going to get there and they're not going to have too much to say uh, because that's just going to be the movie. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all sort of planned a little bit. Nice. Now, um, I know I alluded to this earlier, but of course, you know, you directed and you mentioned a little bit already Silent Night, which is awesome. I was actually watching yeah. it again um, a couple of days ago. Uh, it's kind of like I, I definitely put it in with my like must watch Christmas movies. Um, awesome. So um, how did that come about? Like, how did that project get off the ground? Well, so uh, I made my first movie in 2005 and it got picked up by the Weinsteins in 2007. So in 2007, I was sort of like a commodity. I, you know, I was kind of getting shipped around from like studio to studio. They, they were trying to put me on any remake that you could think of. It was like True of the Corn at one point. It was like uh, Motel Hell at one point for MGM. Um, and Silent Night, Deadly Night um, was a project that I really wanted. Um, and at the time... Uh, they were trying to get the rights issues settled in. And so um, me and a friend named Jared, R Jared Rivet had put together a pitch to go in and pitch the movie. And then it sort of just fell apart. And then in 2010, it came back. And me and my friend named Evan Katz, uh, who is E.L. Katz, who uh, has directed some really cool movies uh, over the past couple of years. Um, but he, um, me and him went in with a pitch in 2010 and it kind of fizzled out and they couldn't figure out the rights and it went away. Uh, and then in 2012, I got a call from my buddy, Darren Bowsman, And Darren was like, uh, Darren went to the same school that I went to. And Darren was like, hey, man, look, I just did a movie with Richard Saperstein and they have the right. They finally got the rights for Silent Night, Deadly Night. And, you know, I can't do it. And, I'm, you know, I, they asked me to recommend someone. And I'm, of course, you are the first person. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I've been trying to get this movie for about like eight, you know, a couple of years. And so... Um, yeah, so I went in, talked to them. Uh, they were really excited about it. And uh, there was a script they already had from Jason Rothwell. And I thought the script was really down in my level of things that I thought was really cool. Um, and uh, yeah, that started the process. That's awesome. And of course, you know, you have like the iconic Malcolm McDowell in it. Um, yeah. That uh, that must have been so awesome. Like, what was he like to, to direct? Well... First of all, Malcolm's awesome to direct, but like 
Malcolm wasn't, <laughs> so Malcolm was staying in the same hotel as me when I was in Winnipeg and I'm prepping the movie. And I just happened to see Malcolm McDowell sitting at breakfast of my hotel. And I went up to Malcolm and I said, Malcolm, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm a filmmaker here. I'm making a movie. He's like, oh, I'm shooting a movie here as well. And I was like, great. I was like, why don't you just stay and be in my movie too? <laughs> and he was like, you know, you know. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. He gave me this whole story about no one's really came up and just talked to him other than zombie. He was like, you know, you got your, you remind me of Rob. And like, he was like, so he was like, uh, what's the movie? I was like, Silent Night, Deadly Night. And he goes, oh, I fucking love that movie. And I was like, <laughs> all right, well, we're remaking it here. And literally the next day, his team contacted and were like, he's in. And so it was really just a random circumstance you know that he was just happened to be there um and not even really on the list because we didn't really think he was uh, gettable at that time uh and so yeah he he's one of those guys that just uh, as soon as he lands on set he commands the set he's very uh his presence is very felt and in a good way and he and everyone wants to sort of gravitate to malcolm and you sort of have to get everybody moving and keep them working because <laughs> they'll talk to him but malcolm will just talk right like if you get malcolm going Malcolm will talk. And, uh, and that's what I love about him. And we had some really great conversations. I mean, I could have sat there and listened to his Kubrick stories, you know, forever, but, but also his Halloween stories were great. And like, you know, just, just the, the, the idea that he loves the genre and he loves this sort of style of filmmaking. And this was very different for him. I was like, look, man, I'm, I'm asking you to be very zany here. Like I, I'm asking you to be kind of like, you know, almost a goofball, but think you're serious. You know, you have to take it very seriously, but the audience has to be like, is this guy mental? Like what's wrong with this guy? You know what I mean? Like what's happening? And like, so I think that, I think that he, he played that part really well. And I loved, I loved it where he, I loved what he did with it. Yeah. He's, he's fantastic. And I mean, the restraint it would take to not just like, you know, See, for me, I would be like, okay, uh, I have to direct him, but I also just want to talk about Caligula all day. Um, yeah, Caligula, definitely. He, and, and that's the thing, dude, is he will talk to you about it. Like, if you bring it up, it's like half your half the day is gone. Like, because it's just <laughs> like, he'll just start going. You're like, no, I'm sorry, Malcolm. I got to get you in there. I got to shoot. And he's like, well, one more story, Stephen, you know? And like, uh, <laughs> but like he, you know, and that and that was, that was really a blast to be on set with him. And I think Donald Logue, also was the same kind of temperament on set just real great and funny um and they got along really well that's awesome um so i met him once uh at a convention it was actually to um when the original well not original but like rob zombie's first halloween movie um yeah so they got the the whole cast together at monster mania con and um it was awesome because like you know he's always a little like with fans I heard that he's always a little like, I don't know, it takes a little while to to warm up. So the icebreaker for me was I had a Mad Magazine um, Clockwork Orange parody 
that I had nice. signed, and he fucking loved it. And then he, then you could like see he was like, "Oh man, that's so fucking cool! Like, where did you get this?" And then that was like <laughs> a nice kind of icebreaker. But yeah, uh, he seems awesome. So like, that's that's really cool. I think for guys like that, they they just genuinely want to know that. I think it they they are guarded. Um, even as a director, when I'm dealing with bigger actors, I mean, of course, they're always guarded at first uh, because they really want to know that you understand the material, you understand what they are all about, right? And it's not just a superficial sort of, uh, you're great, I've seen you in a ton of movies, right? No, it's like you sort of get what their characters are or things like that. Like you get that magazine and, and you really, it's like not something that's very typical. Uh, and I think that's sort of, what I've noticed about movie stars in general when I'm dealing with them is, you know, and talking to them, I'm not really talking to them about the movie. I don't really talk to them about, this is how I think you should be or your character. I don't get into that nonsense. When I first talked to an actor, like when I first talked to an actor, we talk about movie, we talked about different life stuff, right? Like I don't really discuss like what we're going to do until they get to know me and we know each other. And then in the movie sort of falls into place. And we started talking about how to make the movie, but um yeah i try to find something personal always at first yeah and that's and that's really smart because you know again you're like you know you you have to build and establish that kind of rapport and trust and um i feel like that makes for a really good like working relationship um would you say that like you know some of your bigger actors you use uh you've definitely like kind of learned from from them as far as like um like their process and then like reverse engineer that to like how you direct them. Totally. Yeah. I mean, when you're dealing with guys like Bruce Willis or like, uh, you know, Nick Cage who I've directed or Stallone, like, yeah, I mean, those guys, especially someone like Stallone who's also directed, who's, you know, you just, you watch that guy um, and you learn from him and like, you know, but at the same time, you know, um, a lot of those guys, like what I like to do on their first day, their first actual take, I only do one take. I do, they let them do it and I go moving on. And I, and it really sort of sets the tone for them. Like right away, they're like, oh shit, like Steven's <laughs> not going to sit here and I better get it right. I better like be on it because he's going to get it right off the bat. Right. Um, and, and I think that's sort of like, I sort of try to set the tone of my presence, but then I kind of lean back and let them do their process. And it's really fun to watch and 100% reverse engineering it because then I can see, okay, this, the way I talked to him didn't work, but now I know I can talk to this guy a different way. So there's, there's all different kinds of things you take away from these guys. Yeah, no, that's, that's such an, like, that's such a great actually, uh, like technique, um, to again, sort of establish that you're not like messing around, but then, you know, loosen up a little bit to give them a little bit more. Well, you know, there, you gotta remember, man, they've been making movies for like 30 plus years, right? They've been on every movie set you can possibly imagine. You're no different. Um, than whatever they've ever seen. Um, but what they do know is, is that they don't want to sit there with a director that doesn't know what he wants yeah. or doesn't know what he's doing, right? And they they don't want to hear you explain the scene. They don't want to hear that. They, they want to know, you understand the movie, you understand that they're going to do their job. And that's what usually that first take rule is for me. It's like, they get right away that I'm not wavering. I get it. You did a great job. You're you. I'm moving on. Uh, yeah, of course, like the next couple of th scenes we do, we can do more than one take, of course. But like, very upfront, I try to make it very known that like, I know what I want uh, and we're moving on. Um, even, you know, what's fun is like uh, someone like John Cusack, who I always heard, you know, stories that John wasn't fun uh, or was difficult. Um, and for me, you know, I kind of 
did a little bit of deep dive on John and realized that, you know, John always wears black. That's like his thing. Um, and the first day I met John, I made sure I wore all black. Um, and I showed up in his trailer and uh, he was like, yo, he looked at me and he was like, dude, we're look just like it. We look like each other. <laughs> and the ice was broken like that. Right. And then from that moment on, me and John had a, we had a great time, you know, and it was, it was amazing. It was fun. Um, so there's little things that I try to do like that like I said, that are just, you know, subconscious things to let them know that I'm on the same level or I get it or like, you know, that kind of thing. Nice. Um, now, like, uh, it's kind of interesting because I've noticed in the last couple of years that like Silent Night has really found this uh, really awesome cult following. So what's that been like? Um, it, it's been unreal. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, when a movie comes out, you're like, this is great. Uh, but a lot of the times that's it. It's like, it gets, it's like, three or four months of, of notoriety and people enjoy it. And then it kind of goes away. Um, I've only had a couple of movies that really stick around and, and get repeat playability or I hear about them quite frequently, but silent night just in the past, I don't know, five years has really started to take off on, on its own sort of trajectory of being a Christmas tradition um, with horror fans. And so that's been really awesome because I got to be honest, I, I stepped out of the horror genre for a while um, and, and moved into action. And so I kind of felt like maybe the horror community felt like I, I, I dissed them a little bit and like, you know, it wasn't maybe in my corner anymore. Um, and so it's been really cool to see Silent Night um, pick back some steam and, and really start to become people's must watches on, uh, on around the holidays. Uh, yeah, definitely. It was interesting. Um, right before jumping on, I had a friend who's like a big horror fan and he like shared his stack of of like holiday horror movies and yours was in there and i was like that's, that's awesome so fucking awesome yeah um what i like about uh a lot of your movies is you you have this great sense of like dark humor that i think helps it kind of um i mean uh especially silent night i mean like from from jump you kind of get that tone of like uh, okay, I know that this is going to be like cheesy fun, but you're like in on the joke, you know, it's I'm totally, totally. Yeah, I, I think because I grew up like very much into popcorn movies, right? Like I, I like going to the movie theater. I like the popcorn films. I love indie films. I, I love when they get very dark and serious. I love that. But as as a viewer, I more enjoyed things that sort of ride rode the line of being completely nasty, completely crazy, but at the same time, they would throw in things that like are very funny. And you're just like, okay, this is ridiculous. Um, and I think that's just sort of the kind of horror I lean into more. Um, and I think that's sort of like the Return of the Living Dead type stuff, like in the in the mid eighties that started hitting that really well, that stride of those kind of movies. Um, and those are the kind of movies that really stuck out to me, like the Frighteners, uh, you know, stuff like that, that like, I was like, okay, like, you know, these guys are even to me, Evil Dead, the Evil Dead movies have that same sort of dark humor and in, in, in respect going on sometimes. So um, I enjoy those kind of movies. Uh, it's difficult for me to make uh, movies that I, that people can't stomach to watch. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I, I want them to be enjoying themselves, even though there's some pretty gnarly kills. I think the kills are gnarly, but I think they're like cheer kill kind of moments like it's like <laughs> yeah they get it it's not like oh my god why you know we're not churning the stomach you know it's just more like 
yeah, they deserve it. We need that. Right. And so um, that's sort of my style, I think, for sure. I, I'm definitely not the uh, go for hardcore violence for violence sake. Uh, it's much more kind of geared towards the story. Yeah, um, like it was interesting um, rewatching it uh, a couple nights ago in preparation for this. I was like, wow, he like uh, full on kills a kid in this in the first, like, <laughs> was it 15 minutes or so? 15 um, minutes, yeah. <laughs> but again, a brat, I didn't yeah. feel like super, super bad about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. It's, and it's pretty bad when you're like, when you don't feel bad about it. You're like, oh man, we should be feeling pretty awful about this situation. And I think that's what got me on one of the first test screenings when that kill happened. When I heard someone go, hell yeah. And I was like, oh <laughs> shit. <laughs> like awesome. they're really digging this. Uh, so yeah. Um, now, so you're uh, a parent now. I'm kind of curious. Um, obviously they know you make movies. Um, yeah. Have they seen any of your horror movies yet? Or is it too too early? The but... only the only one horror film they've seen of mine is a little one I did called Under the Bed. And and it's it's a monster movie but it really does deal with more family dynamics and kids and like it's a little bit of maybe like gremlins-esque core um where you know maybe back in the day gremlins was pg and now it's not you know what i mean um but like uh they, they've seen that one now anything beyond that my daughter who's gonna be 13 like in next year she's in that ballpark now where she's like dad you know i want to see silent night i want to see you know, I want to see some of this. I want to see Mar she really wanted to see Margot. Like Margot was like up there for her. And because of the actors, she knew, she knew all of them. Um, and so she was like, I really love these actors and I want to watch it. So I think it, it's to that point where she's probably going to be watching them in the next year for sure. Uh, and really, it's not even like, I'm like, no, you can't do it. Like, it's just like, it's difficult when you're like, uh, you got to start to ride that line when you're a parent. It's tough. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. I think, uh, I don't know about you, but I think I probably watched a bunch of horror movies that I shouldn't have pretty young. Totally. And, and and to be honest, like, I kind of leave that to her friends. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I kind of leave it up to her, like, her, her cousin or her friend or like, you know, they give her, they, they slip her like the evil dead and you're like, oh shit, like that's what <laughs> happened to me. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting it. It was like, I just happened to have older cousins and friends whose parents were like, didn't really care what they were doing. And they were showing me movies and I was like, this is awesome. Why have I never seen any of this? Now I would go home and be like, dad, can I rent this? And I was like, hell no, you can't rent that. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, it's kind of funny, but yeah, you know, I, you're right. We definitely probably, we definitely were watching things. We probably shouldn't have. Yeah. I vividly recall my older sister. I don't know how she got a hold of it, but a VHS of the original Child's Play. Oh Yeah and crazy uh, yeah so how old were you when you saw that that's got to be like you're just like oh shit gosh i was probably six or seven <laughs> yeah young. yeah i i was the one of the first ones like i remember being put on for me was silver bullet uh and i was probably like six maybe something like that and i remember silver bullet and i just was like what the fuck like and it was just werewolves i was like this is banana you know um and so yeah it's just you know you can always remember those first ones but I, I, there was a point or my dad at one point, I think I was like, you know, a little older. And he was finally like, all right, let's watch The Exorcist. And I was like, oh, yeah, let's watch The Exorcist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, uh, having kids makes things a little different. I mean, it, it does also in, in sort of like 
change on how I, I approach certain things in general too. So um, yeah, it's interesting. No, that, yeah, that is interesting. Cause actually my follow-up was, you know, having kids, does that change your sensibilities as far as like the horror movies you make or just, just films in general? Yeah, I think it, you know, it changes like a little bit of, to me, I think the only thing it really changes and, and maybe that's just in, in general, just getting older, is just the nudity factor. Like, mm-hmm. like I didn't really mind shooting nudity. Like, it doesn't really bother me. Uh, but as I've gotten a little older and then having kids, I feel like, well, I do want my kids to watch this movie. I can be gross. But like the nudity factor of it is like, I don't know if I need it. I don't want to think, you know, especially with my daughter, I don't want her to think her dad is like, you know, uh, <laughs> being exploitative. You know, I just want, I just want her to, I just want her to feel like, you know, dad respects uh, women and that kind of thing too. So it sort of changed a little bit um, with that respect. Um, But for as far as the horror goes, I don't think, you know, the kill level, I think is all the same. I'm doing a werewolf movie right now um, with Frank Grillo and my daughter is a werewolf in the movie. Um, And she like absolutely loved it. And there's some, you know, this is graphic. And so uh, it's pretty cool. Oh, that's great. Um, so, um, you know, uh, have you recently watched Silent Night? And, and and if so, what do you think of it uh, looking back? I actually just watched it for the first time last week or the week before. And I hadn't watched it since 2012 or 13 when it came out. And we watched, I did a couple rounds of screenings and some tour screenings with it in that year. Um, but then I haven't, hadn't seen it. And, you know, watching it again, I, I was really surprised how well it held up. Um, I thought it held up really well. I thought the colors still work really well. Joe White, who was the DP, shot a beautiful movie. Um, I like to tell everybody it's fun because we had to come up with a scheme because the snow ran out. As soon as we started shooting, it stopped snowing. And so if you, when you watch the movie, if you really notice, a lot of my angles are low angle. So it's always looking up at the characters because there's no snow on the ground. I didn't want to show the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I always was looking up because the trees looked right. The sky looked right. And we could have flurries, but it just wasn't on the ground sticking. So, um, you know, I, I actually, when I watch it now, it's it feels like a really cool motif uh, through the movie. And I also think Jamie King's performance is really spot on. I think she nailed it. She is a is a rad final girl, um, and she uh, she really gave it gave it her all. So, it, yeah, I I really enjoyed it. Though, just watching it back. Nice. Yeah, it, it is a, a fun movie. Like I said, it's definitely in my like must watch um for anybody that wants to see it uh it is currently on shutter and uh drop everything you're doing check <laughs> it out um but um yeah so this has been a really cool year for you know holiday horror movies um violent night uh christmas bloody christmas and yeah. um the mean one have you seen any of those and if so what do you think i saw violent night last night i really love violent night i thought that movie was awesome I like Joe Bagos a lot. So Christmas, Bloody Christmas, I saw, I went and saw in the theater specifically for Joe. Uh, I like his movies. Um, I, I think he has a very distinct storytelling vibe with every single one of his movies. When I put it on, I know it's a Joe Bagos movie. And so like, I, I like that about him. And I thought Christmas, Bloody Christmas was everything you could want with a robotic killer Santa. Um, you know, and so like, you know, I think he did a fantastic job with that movie. Yeah, uh, I loved it. I got to um, interview him, which was so cool because I'm such a big fan. Uh, Bliss was one of my all-time favorites of that. Bliss is great. Yeah. Um, VFW, I like a lot. Yeah, and like, you know, he 
he, he like I said, he just has a very distinct style. You know, it's his movies as soon as you put it on. Um, and he's not scared. He's not scared to put whatever he wants to put on screen. And I, I like that sort of balls neat ballsiness. Um, would, would you, uh, ever work with him? Like, would you ever, like both collab on something? Yeah. I like, I like Joe. I, and I, and I like his, uh, his editor a lot. Uh, and like, I like, I like that their whole sort of group. Um, and yeah, of course, if, if they were all doing something that they felt like I would be good for 100%, I would work with those guys. That, that would be awesome. I would love to see like a horror anthology with like some amazing, like, horror directors like you joe um like josh rubin's another one that i really love yeah i like um, josh too but uh yeah no um i haven't seen violent night yet shame on me i need to get i want to i've been holding off because I've, I've been wanting to like uh find some time to like you know watch in the theater like on the yeah. big screen um but uh, yeah, it's like, a fun movie. It's it's fun. It, I mean, it's it's pretty hilarious at times too. So I mean, it, it's a. I, I thought it was really well done. Um, definitely, like I um, I definitely like David Harbor. I like that concept. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, like um, it's definitely awesome to talk like Silent Night. Like I said, it's it's a banger. It, it's really fantastic. Um. Yeah, so like uh just kind of wrapping up, like what's your like go-to like horror Christmas movie? Is it Silent Night, Deadly Night, or Silent Night it is, but really, you know, to be honest, it's Christmas Evil. Uh Christmas Evil yes. is one that I'll pick up just randomly, and it's it's usually my my Christmas Eve after the kids have gone to bed and it's me and a bottle of Jack, and it's like I watch Christmas Evil. And Christmas Evil for me was like a movie that I don't, I don't know why it hits me hard. It just hits me. And I like, and I, I just really like the movie. Uh, I really like what they did with it. It just, it doesn't feel like a typical slasher film um, at all. Um, and it feels a little more methodical and I, I, I like it. Oh yeah. I love it. It's um, I mean, if I was describing it to somebody that's never seen it, I would say it's like taxi driver. Yeah. It's uh was the night before christmas and you smash those things together and you're exactly right it, it has that very it has that vibe where you just sort of feel like you're with this character and watching them unravel um and, and there's something about that that like you know that that was one that i was searching for before silent night which was is just christmas evil is is that one ready to be remade i know i was looking for it um but yeah it's a it's a really fun movie um yeah i i Again, I love how I think it's one of the only like Christmas horror movies that really kind of nails that sort of isolation and seasonal depression and just uh, alienation that a lot of people I feel like, uh, unfortunately, feel at this time of year. Um, yeah, you're right. I and mean, it's a real thing, man, you know, and it's one of those things that you have to really think about when you're going through this time of year too, is just to sort of remember there are people out there that are having a really hard time. Uh, and I think that movie taps into that heavily. Uh, yeah. And I love that the abusive mom is the uh, wholesome mom on uh, home improvement. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. That one I, I watched the other day while I was wrapping gifts. That's kind of like my, my go-to while I do that. Nice. Um, but um, I think uh, we'll probably wrap it there. But um, 
man, it's been so awesome talking to you. Uh, again, uh, people should check out Silent Night on Shudder. Um, I highly recommend Shudder. It's not sponsoring this episode, but God damn it, I love them. So, um, <laughs> and uh, Margot is on Paramount Plus, and so you can watch that if you have that. Um, and it's also like on VOD, so you can like pretty much rent it anywhere. That's right. Awesome. And I highly recommend you, you all do that because it's great. Um, and we're going to demand a Blu-ray, a, a DVD, <laughs> a 4K. <Yeah>. Uh, <laughs> Set it up. So, hell yeah. Um, well, hey, thanks again um, for taking the time to uh, chat with me about Silent Night, Deadly Night, about your Silent Night, which is awesome, and uh, going on some tangents with me. So, No problem, man. I really had fun, Mike. Thanks for having me, dude. Yeah. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.